Welcome back to the Deposit That Podcast, everybody. I'm here with Jade, who is a reporter for CNBC. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So we're going to be raw, organic, real, and we're going to do a concept like 21 questions back and forth, right? Okay. Let it flow naturally. I got to shoot fire off a question to you? Uh, yeah, okay. if you want to. Yeah, yeah, We'll okay. go like back, yeah. back and forth. Okay. And, but first, I want to know a little bit about you, your story, and how you got into working for CNBC. Okay. Well, geez. I mean, how far back do you want me to go? As far as you want to go. We have all the time yeah. in the world. Okay. What do you got? So, I mean, I've always I've always wanted to be a journalist. Like, I always like to... Since I, you're like two years old or since when? I don't know about two years old. I mean, actually, to tell you the truth, I got into it because I got in trouble in high school and my English... You got in trouble? Yeah, I got in trouble in high school, but I won't go into, into that. But <laughs> my English teacher, he made me write for the school newspaper, the Trinity Triangle. That was your punishment? Yeah, just because like I was like one of those badass kids. No, I I went to a Catholic school and yeah. I was you know late. I, my skirt was too short. Rebel. Um, like yeah, rebel. like I just didn't I didn't care. I did my own thing. I I was just like all over the place. So yeah. I started to write, and I was an athlete. So I I wrote about basketball. I played basketball, volleyball. What number did you wear? Thirty two okay. and forty two for volleyball. Okay. No meaning behind it, but what, okay. what was your number? Twenty one. Really? De- Deion Sanders. Okay. Prime wow. time. All right. You know, put on okay. the show. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, so I was writing about sports, but this is actually kind of sad. So there was a girl in my sophomore year. She had leukemia and like she sat by me in library class and she ended up passing away. And I I, I wrote about it. I wrote about her because like I didn't get to know her because I, you know, I thought I was cool. And like, you know, I, every day I would ask her for a pencil. But anyway, a mechanical one or like a sharpened one? Just like a, just, I, I just, I never had a pencil. I would walk into class and every day I asked her for a pencil. Yep. Anyway, so when she passed away and like I, I felt it was the first funeral I've ever been to. So, you know, a lot of emotions were coming out. Sure. So I wrote about it. And the teachers who always gave me detention and things like that, they approached me and they were like, I read your, your story about Lauren. Her name was Lauren Day. And I was like, wow, like, it's so like they, kinda, they saw a side of you that they yeah, like, seen before. It, yeah, because like I was like a party girl. Like I thought I was cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I just thought like. Even though you had like a big heart. Yeah. So and I put that out there. Totally exposed yourself. Yeah, I exposed myself, and people people commented on it, and like I decided that oh my god, I can write, and I can, and it's just it was like an experience where I was like, you know, this is kind of neat. You can have your thoughts and share it with people, and like open people up sure. because like. At that time, I was looking to get into a club or play basketball. Um, yeah, you know what I mean, or play basketball. Like I was just so that. What, club, what clubs you go to back then? Anything so like... I grew up in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Oh, right, yeah. There was a club called Wanda's, that was and like the place they had to be. yeah, they had eighteen plus night on Sundays, and I used to sneak in. <laughs> yeah, my did you, mom. Did you get in? Yeah. She pulled me by my ear to take me out. It was like the store. If you, if anybody, that's so my, funny. Everybody in my high school knows the story. Yeah. But anyway. So that's how I got into it. And then, you know, I won a scholarship through Katie Couric really young. And I got a lot of internships. I was Carson Daly's intern. Wow. MTV, right? Yeah. No, I he was actually when he was at NBC, Last Call with Carson Daly. My first job was Court TV. My first story was Anna Nicole Smith's death. Wow. So I was in the Bahamas, like, you know, brand new covering that story. Then super young too. Super young. 
Then I got recruited to CBS News, covered a lot of stories. I mean, when the plane went down, the Hudson, I was there. Captain Phillips, when he was held hostage. Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. I was there at the home, like courtroom for O.J. Simpson, the the Vegas case. I mean, you name it, I did it. I I heard he got set up for that. Is that true? Yeah, I think I think someone that, set him up to yeah. purposely go away. But I mean, OJ was all over the place. I think like it was inevitable yeah. something was going to happen. But uh, you went to St. John's to play basketball, right? Yeah, initially that's why I went to St. John's. But then I wasn't that committed to the sport. I just wanted to be in New York. And then once I got the the scholarship, I knew I just I was gung ho about. So you just, like lost your passion for sports if you had ever had one. Or? Yeah, no, I still have passion. I mean, yeah. I, I I cover a lot of athletes now. Right. I interview a lot of athletes. I talk to them about their startups and, you know, their their health routine, things like that. So, like, I'm still passionate about it and I love watching it, but it wasn't meant for me. Like, I think once you find what you're truly meant to do, mm-hmm. you, you put it all in. Do you find that you're drawn to the psychology behind the athlete? And do you feel like an athlete's psychology or the way they think or work is different from a lot of the other people you interview? like CEOs or whoever else you interview? I guess so. I mean, I think a lot of them, it's hard to explain. Like I talk to them about their businesses and a lot of them are are, are trying to be something that they're they're not it's just very yet. Difficult. Yeah, trying to reinvent themselves. Yeah. So a lot of them, they come when they come to talk to me, they're not well versed on what their company and sure. they're just, I think a lot of them are, are trying to get out of the sport. So they're, they're looking while they're in the sport wow. to get into something. To find out what's next. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, you played Super football. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's not for Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough on your body and it's tough on your schedule. So I think a lot of them, you see more and more athletes looking for businesses to get into businesses sure. um, early in their careers, as opposed to waiting later. Yeah, I think most people go through that. They think it's never going to end, at least back in the day. And usually like their financial advisor would take money and a lot of them had their money lost or stolen or yeah. you know, invested into empty ventures. Yeah, but now they're getting smarter. I mean, like look at Drew Brees. Completely. He's like he's like three hundred franchises. Crazy. Like yeah. everybody's Peyton in, Manning too, all those guys. They're, they're all into like franchising their because it's an easy way into a business Correct. to be an owner but have it all set up. And have it be their face. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of guys get into the businesses, people get drawn in by from what I've seen, been around the guys, you know, they're brought into a business as like the face of it. But like you said, they don't really understand the business or the inner workings of it. And mm-hmm. then they come out of their profession, the NBA, MLB, or especially the NFL. And they're like, Hey, I want in. But then there's a huge learning curve of just being like, Hey, I'm the guy that endorses our business to sitting down from a nine to five and showing up and being available 24 seven. There's a big, yeah, guys, big they don't there. do that. And they're not trained to do that. Yeah. I'm not trained. I'm still not, like I was, I, I did that for 10 years, yeah. but I hated doing that, like having that sh- schedule, you know? No, but building businesses, there's a nitty gritty to it. And yeah, they just want to yeah. come out there, do sure. the press. Be the playboy, be yeah. the guy, show up, sign some autographs, and like be the big dog. But they don't realize what goes in behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. It's like the training in the off season versus playing in, on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Like, right? That's yeah. kind of how it is. And they forget, like, in business, you still have to train in the off seasons. And they're not really... Yeah. In doing that. No, I had Gronk like a couple years ago because he was involved in like an uh, emoji type yeah. company and yeah. he had no idea. No idea. He had no idea what it was about. He had no idea what to talk about. Nice guy, sure. but like, you know what I mean? It was just too soon for sure. them to put him out there. Sure. For and that. he's young. I mean, you got to remember like most of the people that play are under 33. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll be 33 this year and I went through the tough life training from December 2007 through 
today. You know what I mean? Yeah. And a lot of people forget, like, just because you're a star athlete doesn't mean that you have a business sense and it doesn't mean, like, you know, you're an adult. You know, like, these are kids that turned into men overnight and because they're making millions of dollars, people give them too much, you know, hey, we think you should be so far ahead of what you are. But at the end of the day, they're just kids living out their dream, yeah. you know, and then when they come out of sports, usually they fall into this unknown phase. Like, I'm no longer the big dog. I'm no longer the celebrity like I was. I'm not the hot topic anymore. And the reinventing themselves has to take a mental toll on them, I feel like. Yeah, no, I feel that a lot of athletes go through that. But that's why they start early. Right. Like Smart, super smart. Yeah. So I think they should have some type of like, you know, internship program. I know like Justin Tuck works for Goldman Sachs with my best friend on the same team, you know, but he went to Wharton School of Business, you know, and worked his way up, came from Notre Dame. So he already had that alumni network and everybody to kind of like push him in the right direction. Yeah. Most of these guys don't have that experience. So when they get out, they kind of have to like refine their way what to do. Yeah. So, so I mean, I know I get to ask questions too. Yeah, so like, so you, you played football but prof- i rode the bench in college oh, um, oh, i watch i watch oh. other people play football so if i ever like go back to fordham i'm gonna take like a white spray paint yeah and i'm gonna spray paint the circle that i always stood in as like a dead body because i just stood there and watched other people play yeah my quarterback went to the nfl though a guy yeah. by the name of john skelton played for the arizona cardinals oh okay yeah. cool because if people probably don't know but we met like we were doing at cryotherapy we did cryotherapy yeah. you tried it you found out I was a reporter. Yeah. I was a reporter at Fox Business, and you tried. I to gave pitch you my me. book. Yeah, you yeah. wanted me. You wanted me to interview you, yeah. and you because I was. I had talked about a lot of the athletes. Sure. I was interviewing while I was there, and you're like, "I'm an athlete." And I'm I was an athlete. You know, I'm still an athlete. <laughs> I know, you and know, I, I remember yeah. I brought home your book, yeah. and I was like, I was trying to Google. I'm like, "Is he like what team did he play for?" Yeah. But so my uncle played for the Falcons. So if you Google my name, it'll come up as. Oh, okay. I say like, that's the real Jeff Van Note. I'm like, you know, backup. You no, know? but he played for the Falcons, though. Yeah. Is that what you wanted to do? Perfect. Yeah, so I grew up wanting to play in the NFL. And then when I went to college, my coach got fired after my freshman season, and a whole new coaching staff came in. Like they made my life hell. They tried like running me out of the program. And then finally, they couldn't run me out or make me quit. So they just cut me going into my junior year of eligibility. And I played wide receiver, and they were like, You're never going to catch a pass here. I'm like, Yeah, yeah. I'm like, No, you're not. We control whether you catch a pass here or not. So I never even got a chance to play. So I wound up getting cut from a team and going into the residential mortgage business in December of 2007, right when like the market crashed, like Lehman Brothers, Bear Stearns, you name yeah. it. So it kind of took like my football drive and intensity and commitment and just literally paralleled that right into the residential mortgage business, which was a lot harder than training for football yeah, from so, a mental standpoint. So what are you trying to do? Like what's now, your, what's your, what's your, what's your goal? Who you want to, like, what so, do you want to be? I don't know yet. So a father, you know, my number one goal is to be the best dad to my son. You know, that's my pride and joy. I always say that I named him Jeffrey Jr. because I want to make him like the better version of me, you know, and I'll find a way to do that somehow, some way. I'm a rebel like yourself, and he's definitely a rebel. Like he'll give us a run for our money. I think overall my whole thing is, look, I can help athletes transition from being an athlete into the real world. I've had to do that. I had to do that on drop of a dime. At an early age when I had no plan, getting the word out there really about like debunking the myths on real estate and mortgages. You know, every industry has bad people in it. Unfortunately, real estate and mortgages get the brunt of it because of what happened in 07, 08, 09, 10, things that still happen today, which you, I'm sure you see stories all the time and hear, yeah. hear crazy stuff, Bernie Madoff example like, right? Really bring transparency to an industry that all information was held closely because that's how people were able to earn the money they were earning. And then, you know, like the Zillows and certain technology platforms came out, Quicken Loans, and they come out and they expose all the secrets. And the old guys that ran the business in the 80s and 90s, the crooks or did things the wrong way or like, you know, 
their days are over. So I'm kind of like that hybrid old school work your ass off mentality, but bring the technology implementation of truth and honesty and education into an industry that never had that lacked integrity. So I've always been fighting the higher ups, you know, on being more transparent and giving consumers like their overall experience, but it's usually their way or no way. That's how they were raised. Right. And as far as like new school kids, like teaching middle schoolers or high schoolers on credit and savings and like, look, don't take a $10,000 credit card just because you're being offered a $10,000 credit card. You know, if you take a $10,000 credit card, that's fine, but you don't have to go and spend the $10,000 on shit you probably don't need, you know? So really just being kind of like that. I never had a big brother kind of being that big brother to kids, both male and female of all ages and kind of being that voice of reason where I'm not here to like reprimand you like your parent, but I'm here to show you the way and like lead by example. Got it. So do you save? Are you a saver? I'm not a saver. I'm more of a risk taker. I believe that in your 20s and early 30s, that's where you should take the most maximum amount of risk, right? Calculated risk. From, I don't know if you saw Shaq. Shaq was on CNBC or something, and he came out. I was watching it one day. Yeah, I interviewed him. Yeah, I don't think it was your interview, though. I think he did Squawk on the Street, maybe. Did he? Did he? Yeah, I interviewed him. He told me he wanted to buy Reebok. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... Shaq's an interesting guy, and I always love Shaq's demeanor. But what he said was, and I can relate to this 100%, every get-rich-quick scheme, I lost. And I'm like, fuck me too, because I'm young, I'm impressionable, I was making a killing. I mean, at 24, I was making half a million dollars a year. So when you give a 23 or 24-year-old that kind of money, like, you got, sorry, you yeah. can do whatever you no, want with yeah. it, you know? Like, you know, you want to go out and buy that car, buy that car. You want to live in that penthouse, you live in that penthouse. You want to spend $7,000 doing whatever, do it, right? People would come to you all the time because they knew you had money, they, they knew you were impressionable. I was looking for a mentor, like someone to follow down that path, and it was very hard to find in my selective industry. Plus, all my friends didn't really have money, so I'm kind of like that you know, black sheep, like out here by myself, do that here. Give me 20,000. You'll make 50,000. Okay. Here's 20,000. No signed agreement. You know, oh, I'm buying a house with it. And then it, tur- it turns out like they didn't buy the house with it, you know, or Hey, let's open up a restaurant. Here's 50,000 guys missing. Like, you know, all the crazy things that people sold you a hope and a dream on. I put a lot of money into hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably more than a quarter million dollars and get rich quick schemes. I looked at it as, Hey, these are good opportunities, right? Yeah. Not looking at the downside risk. And I don't like that, you know, but when it comes down to calculated risk, like you believe in a business, the business might work, you know, take that calculated risk. You know, at 24 years old, I had a Remax franchise, two Liberty Tax services, and I was running a half a million dollar a year mortgage business. So I've always invested in concepts that I believed in. I lost a ton of money day trading, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. You have to learn that in your 20s. You could always regroup. I always say, like, I made all the mistakes in my 20s that your average person doesn't make until they're 40 or 50 where they cannot recover from or they don't have the energy to recover from. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm in my 30s, I went through my preseason training, if you will, of what not to do, and that's where my true value comes from. Like I could spot con artists from a mile away or I could see a bullshit scheme or concept that's not going to work before it's even pitched to me these days. But if I didn't go through that, and I was in the Bronx, so imagine me in the Bronx, you know, like the wild, wild west, you know, getting... <laughs> all these types of scams and gimmicks left and right, being an impressionable, trustworthy kid. Like if I, if I borrow a dollar from you, like I'll give you your dollar back immediately. And I thought everyone operated with the same intentions that I did. Like I'm not a contract kind of guy. I'm a handshake kind of guy. That's how I was raised. But no one ever said to me, well, if you're giving somebody $100,000, you should really get a contract in writing. You know, I was like, all right, here, you know, here's $100,000. And you know, a lot of that money went missing. Wow. 
Can I pitch you a startup? Yeah, what do you got? No, I mean, I was just kidding. I trust you, though, yeah. so I feel like you're an honorable person, so you can pitch it. I don't have to do it, you know? <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just playing. So what I thought would be a cool concept is yeah. teaching people how to interview people from a social standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have the bumbles and the tenders and the hinges out there, and I feel like whenever I go to a restaurant— with either a guy or a girl or whatever, we always joke around and say, like, oh, like, look, like, they're on their first, like, social app date, right? Yeah. How do you recommend getting to know someone? Obviously, interviewing someone's a very intimate thing, in my opinion. Like, you need to go, like, get to know someone. You have to, like, ask the right questions. You have to feel their energy. Mm-hmm. So what's your advice to people that are, like, going on all these social dating apps and how to get to know somebody in that short, compressed time frame? Well, I mean, I I miss the whole like online dating yeah. phase. I don't. Do you do it occasionally? But I do it more for recreation. Than I do for anything else. Meaning, yeah. like, it's more of like a time passer. Like, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. Well, so in my profession, like, obviously, I interview CEO athletes, people who are trained. So, like, you know, that's a little bit different because right. you got to warm them up. Like, there's a lot. Of, I could tell you a million stories of people I was excited to interview. You right. know, celebrities that we all grew up with. That sure. you know, I thought they were going to be like my best friends, but they come in kind of cold. So so you do have to warm them up. You do have to warm them up. You always have to find something like a talking point. Like I just had Andy Cohen a couple weeks ago, you know, the Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. So he, I actually had his desk at CBS News. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and I remember cool. when I started there. Is I started his name there, like carved in it? <laughs> no, I started there at 24. And like, you know, when yeah. you work at a network like that, like, I mean, you are working. Sure. Like there's... There's not a job I can tell you that you are working where it's like you're going to get a sign. They're going to say four dead in Alabama go and you have a bag under your desk and you go and you're on that story morning to night. You have to get every lead. You have to find. You're kind of like a detective. Well, I mean, you you got to get on the ground. You got to you got to make sure you know everybody. You got to know the police handled the case. You have to call all the people involved. So you're you're pulling all nighters, and people don't know that. Not, not your high school all nighters. Yeah, yeah, no, not my high school all nighters. <laughs> so it's very competitive. But when you're when you're interviewing like someone who in a news story, it's you have to, and most likely you're knocking on their door, and it's mm-hmm. the most trying time of their lives. It's very so difficult. Like, so I've learned to interview that way and I've learned, and I was talking, I was, I, I got off course, but with Andy Cohen, like when he came in, cause like, you know, Andy Cohen, this personality and everyone was yeah. so excited. A lot of people on the staff wanted to go there, but I try to warm them up by saying, you know, I have your desk. I had your desk because it was a famous desk. Cause when you're have that type of job, it's very stressful and you're like, God, sure. People are always like, oh, you, you, I want to quit and yeah, things like that. But yeah. they're like, Andy Cohen had your desk. Like, think of the future. Like, there's, you know, you could be anything you want to be. So, like, I, I try to find something, like, to open them up, to, like, make sure I have a connection with them or research them. Because you have to find that connection quickly. And you you want to get the goods. Because a lot of these times you only have, like, 10 or 15 minutes. Sure. To get that headline. So pull it all out of them. Yeah. And like someday you're going to win some and you're going to lose some, but you got to really find something to connect with the person. So you yeah. know what I always say? And look, I love interviewing people because I love getting to know people. I'm just like a total people yeah. person, believe it or not. And then when I go home, I'm kind of like an introvert. Like I'd rather like be isolated by myself and like kind of regroup my own way, like re- get my energy back. When you're talking to someone, it's kind of like, all right, I want to get to know everything about you, but I know about like myself if I'm being interviewed, right? I have so much information in me that I've forgot that someone has to pull it out of me. You know, I I might have 50 valuable things to say, but I might have been thinking about that topic or going down that route, or I forgot how important this one life lesson was. You know, so like kind of like 
pulling everything together out of them is a true skill and talent, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, and I think when you're dating, you don't yeah. need to know everything all at once. It's just like keep point. it light. You know what I mean? Like if you're interviewing somebody, you can need, you just want that one takeaway. Right. You're just looking for that one headline, that one interesting fact. You can't get it all done. So you usually go in there with an idea of what you want to get just because you have limited time as a reporter. But if you're on a, a date, like... Who gives a fuck? Come with you it. know, yeah. like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if I, if I was dating today, like and like I used to date, like it's just whatever. If you look at every table and they're all like this. Every single table is like oh, you know, yeah. and like, it's like what? I mean, oh like obviously yeah. on a online date, you just want him to sit down and be like, okay, is he cute? <laughs> is he like worth my time? Yeah. And then once you assess, like you know, could I possibly like hook up with this guy? Yeah. Am I interested? Then you then you assess that way, you know. But other than that, like, and if he's not that great, you just are like, fuck it, let me get a drink, let me just <laughs> see if he's like an interesting person. Sure. So do you think there's a correlation between interviewing somebody for what you do and interviewing somebody either as a friend or as a relationship? Is there is that the same type of interview? I believe we're all always under an interviewing process, yeah. if you will. No, I think for, with the news interview, because yeah. like you get very limited time. There's a lot of people in a room. As a reporter, you're trying to get something controversial. Right. Not controversial, but a you want to ask, you want to get it, yeah. you want to ask real questions. Cause like you'll have someone come in and they have, it's a press stunt, you know what I mean? And they want you to keep it on message. But you, no one wants to be that kind of reporter. But that's what, as a reporter, that's what you're faced with constantly. Nobody's getting big names mm -hmm. just to, just to without, yeah. yeah. Like there's always like an underlying message. Do, are they selling a book? Is there a movie coming out? Or, is there a new product? So there's a reason for it. Yeah, obviously. like all day long. Like I'm constantly, like you just tell me about this CBD product. Yeah. And I'm like, God, like yeah. I get pitched on CBD stuff all day long. So how do you pick your stories? How do you pick yeah. like who you're going to interview or what topic you're going to follow? Is it more of like a personal thing? Like, hey, I'm interested in this. Or, hey, I think we should head down this route because for whatever reason. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get a, hundreds of pitches a day. I'm so sure. And I... Do you filter I, I, them all out yourself? I filter them and and then I'll, I'll say like, you know, I'm happy to meet with you because everybody wants a meeting. And so there's a coffee shop down at, in our building at CNBC and throughout the day, I'll take two or three meetings and, you know, they're quick. So they'll come in and like a lot of these are companies I like and, you know, they come with their products and like, it's it, to me, it's not about pushing a product because like, I don't want my readers or viewers to like think it's like I'm pushing something on it, but I want the story behind the product, you know, where it's like, even like I was telling you how I did a story on Bob Iger, the Disney CEO. I mean, he started as a summer janitor, you know, cleaning gum off his desk. So like when I meet these founders, I like to learn their stories of like how they got there, how they got their start. So do you feel they, you're inspired every single day? You yeah, no, it's be, inspiring because right? like a lot of these companies, especially, I just met the, well, I, I shouldn't even say the company, but this company <laughs> where I'm, I was very impressed with what he built and uh, it was a controversial product. And when I met him and this guy built a hundred million dollar company and he has the Kardashians backing it. And wow. like when I met him, I'm like, oh my God. I was like so surprised he was the founder. So would you have like a preconceived notion of who this guy might be? Yeah. So you create like, a fake just, story. Yeah. It was just first. like a normal guy. Like if you saw yeah. him walking down the street, you wouldn't, you know, he came in jeans, a t-shirt. He didn't have this impressive background. He just had an idea and he just, he just started. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed the, the co-founder of Netflix, Mark Randolph, who started it with Reed. And he's like, Jade, listen, he's like, 
you know, he wasn't passionate about movie. It wasn't movies. Him and Reed weren't like, oh my God, this is our passion. We got to do it. They just wanted to create an idea that was um, kind of off the Amazon because Jeff, a couple years earlier, just launched Amazon. They were like, okay, he's getting in a lot of momentum. He just IPO'd. There's sure. a lot of money in this. What can we do in the e-commerce game? So they just were throwing ideas at each other. And then, you know, the idea for Netflix came and he's like, we just started. He's like, the, the idea is you got to start. You know, if you have, you don't need to have the full plan. He's like, the difference between all these billionaires and people who are making money or these entrepreneurs, they're just starting it. They're not ready. They're not, they don't have all the answers. Ready. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, that really stuck with me because I, and I see it every day. Every day when I go through... I feel like you're getting the best education about business in the world. Like, every day. Every day I meet and with these people. And then it's inspiring, right. but it's also, I see a lot of mistakes. And I see, you know, they come in and they come in with the meeting. Because, like, obviously, if you're going to get... To get on CNBC, that's... It's big. You know what I mean? And it's big for your business. Sure. And, you know, it can do a lot. And, and, I mean, it's easy. There's a, there's so much noise out there. It's not Way hard. To, it's, it's not hard to get your product like in a story because there's blogs and things like that. But I think there is a certain bar with certain business sites right. like a Bloomberg or a CNBC or other things that like, you know, you want to you want to get good press and you want to get your story out there. But a lot of them, they come and they have the they have like a mission statement and they, they want to just reiterate it to me. And it's not like this real conversation yeah. of like, um, so, so do you filter that? Like, do you take that down a different route when they do that and try and break them down to like being themselves? Well, I give them, I give them a minute. A lot of them come in and they're excited, right. nervous, anxious. I'm sure all. No, I, I, they're just excited and they want to talk about their product. They want to tell me about their story and how this is going to change the world. And like, I give them their, their time. I give them their moment, you know, and I think, I don't know if what other reporters do, because I know a lot of reporters don't take the meetings mm -hmm. necessarily, because it can drag out your day, right. and especially when you're on deadline and you have to go sure. meet, you're thinking about you have to go there. meet Mary, <laughs> who's gotten, you know, this organic <laughs> face lotion that she made out of her garage, yeah. but it's going to, you know, change everybody. Yeah, change everything. So you don't want to disappoint Mary. So you go, to, I go down there and I, I meet with them and I try out products and things like that. You know, you, you ever hear of the one wheel? The mm -mm. well, you've seen the lime. Did you scooter? posted today. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was gonna, I was gonna message you like, you're coming on the podcast. Like, Please don't fall. Like, I know. Please right? be careful. Yeah. So it's like this. It's. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's, it's like a, a hoverboard. Yeah, type hoverboard. Thing. Yeah. And like it was actually kind of dangerous, but these guys were great. And so like they had a great. And you came out and you. Yeah, were, they had a great pitch, and I I tried it, and I want to do something with them, but I I can't do a story about your product, I want something bigger of like how you got your start. Cause like, I want to be aspirational to like everyone, sure. you know, in the country. I think I, you said the biggest thing is like starting, right? I mean, most people sit on ideas or sit on concepts and they're just yeah. sitting there and like, you talk to me a year later and like, yeah, I'm still thinking about it. I'm still working on the business plan. And it's like, no, just start. Cause as soon as you start, the earlier you can adapt and work out the kinks, but people don't ever just start. Yeah. You got to start. Cause like a lot of these people out there, You'd be surprised. Right. They're just, they're, they're average people starting companies. Everyone is. Right? And they're like, even if that fails, they, they met, they made contacts to start something else. Sure. And like, but I, I think it is a certain kind of person that to be able to start a company and build a company. Cause it's not for everybody. It's not for everyone. Cause it is a hustle and it is, it's going to take everything you have, you have to, to make it happen. Blood, sweat and tears. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I spoke to, do you know who Tim Draper is? The billionaire the yeah, 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 venture capitalist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the one who 
was the first to invest in Hotmail. He's big on Bitcoin. He, um, Tesla. He's like, I mean, he actually rejected Netflix. Really? Yeah, because at the at that point, they just wanted to send DVDs through the mail, and he's like, guys, come up with something better, right. you know? And he, he and they he, did. <laughs> yeah, and like he he even said to me, he's like, yeah, I mean, that was I could have you know kicked Clean, myself for up. that one, yep. but. I mean, he's the type of guy who see he gets constant pitches and like, you know, it can be draining, but you got to, you really got to think about being different. Who's your favorite person that you've interviewed on a personal level? <laughs> or the one person that just jumps out of your mind, like. Martha Stewart was. Um, it's interesting. I, I worked so hard to get that interview and it was when I first started doing on camera stuff and getting big names and. I tried and tried, and her team called me on a Friday and said she'll talk to you tomorrow at 8 a.m. And, you know, it's Saturday. I'm yeah. off. Yeah. But, like, I was like, okay. Yeah, like, yeah, why not? Gotta see do you it. there. Duty so I, I pulled an all-nighter, and I went into Fox, got my hair and makeup, you know, at 6 a.m., and I went down there. So, they're ready. so Fox has a team on call 24-7. They call no, you. They, it was actually, at that time, it was during the campaign, so... We had no crews, but I got my hair and makeup done anyway because I wanted the photo op. So I showed up at eight o'clock and I think I sat for four hours in her office, you know, waiting for my time, which I mean, it was supposed to be at 8 a.m., but, you know, I just sat there. (laughs) Just that moment when they, you know, they called me over and they ushered me into her office Here's and they stage. closed the, yeah they closed the door and yeah. then it was like one on one it was just that kind of moment where i was like okay so i clicked that was yeah, like your like, aha moment yeah like i i can do anything you know what i mean if you know if martha at this time is giving me one on one like that was pretty powerful i mean there's just there's so there's so many stories i i athletes i mean we were talking about Brett Favre was an, another you know, big one for me. But sure. I think one of some of them, when um, I interviewed the CEO of Tyson Foods, and this was probably like three years ago, he just was, this was his first interview as CEO. And he told me the future is plant-based, plant-based meat. It could be on meat, right? Beyond. Well, they just invested 5% stake did, right? at that, yeah. that time. And I asked him about factory farming. You know, it was like, it was like a big interview with a powerful person who can change our food sure. system. So I think... That was a, a big interview for me. And I had General Mills and things like that. So I really like the big, powerful CEOs who can really make change and, you know, ask them tough questions about um, our food supply. And because a lot of times when those guys, they go on our news show, they don't, you know, they're asked about their earnings. They're not asked about factory farming or why are you putting, you know, all these chemicals sure. in your cereals. Sure. So like those like are the, the real th- important stuff actually. Yeah, yeah. Those are the interviews. Where do you develop your questions from? Like obviously you said you do some research on the people before they come in, you have to know certain facts. Yeah. But like at what point do you just take the conversation down like a real raw route of asking them, Hey, like these factories here, like what's your goal or like why are you putting this in your product? So I mean, yeah, I definitely for a big guy like that, yeah. I prepare and I usually have my questions, a whole list of them. You, do. you know, how, how my dream, how I want it to sure. um, it flow. Because everyone says, oh, oh, I'll be off the cuff, but you have 20 minutes. You know, they That's sit all you down. have 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, maybe sometimes longer, but there's multiple people in the room, there's a crew. You know, when the cameras are on, you're kind of different. 
And it's, it just goes a little, and everyone kind of like gets a little stiff. Like even our conversation out there was right. like more loose, but like here, you know, like people you feel change. Pressure? Yeah. You're sweating? No, no, I'm not sweating, <laughs> but it, it just changes things. But I think, yeah, I go off the cuff all the time because you're, you're not, you can't read from your questions. You just prepare it. And then you let it go. What do you do if you're interviewing somebody and you're like, ah, I really don't like this person. Or <laughs> like, I really don't want to like learn anything else. Or like, you know what? They're not who I thought they were. Or like, they're giving me bullshit answers. What do you do? It does happen. I mean, like, it depends. If it's if it's tape, you just wrap it up. Right. Um, because a lot of times people, they don't want to give you the truth or they're, they're, they're going around answers. And it's just, you not feel like, you feel like you're not getting anywhere. So, I mean, if it's like, Live. Sometimes we at Fox, we used to take viewer questions. Oh, that's like your trick. Yeah, any questions? Yeah, like just to lighten it up. But I mean, I don't know if I really had something where I hated interviewing the right. person. Yeah. I think there were times where I felt like I didn't get anything. But usually in person, you can get a lot more. When I do phone interviews, that's where you start to do, you do a lot of phone interviews. Yeah, a lot of phone interviews for. You know, depending on what story or to get sources for a story or to get comments for a story. What was your favorite story you've ever covered in your entire career? I mean, I was very, very passionate about um, GMOs for a long time. Why? Just because I think, I I mean, I, I think it's the biggest problem in our food system. And I think people aren't educated about how our food's grown and what a GMO is. And like, I mean, more so now than they were when I first started reporting. Because I did a story on Fox, like, you know, what a GMO is, the truth. And, you know, I talked to so many experts and they explained how it affects us and how it affects our health and how it affects our food supply, even our environment. So I did so many stories that, I mean, eventually they gave me a top executive at Monsanto and he came in and we did a real interview. And, you know, speaking of that, I think that was one of my proudest moments is, really? you know, really asking him the questions. Cause Are they the questions they get, that no one else asked them? Well, I mean... Or you haven't heard the answer to? I haven't heard the answer to. I mean, I interviewed Rob Farley. He was the, he created GMOs in the 1980s. Wow. I think it's like their 30th anniversary. It might be their 20th. I don't, I don't remember exactly. So don't quote me, but, um, you know, I, I just asked him like, there's so many concerns and, you know, it's, it's linked to cancer and things like that. And like, you saw all those trials with Roundup and, sure. and things like that. So I, you know, I did so many stories just trying to get to the truth of it and trying to get to the bottom of it. Were so, you able to get that? No, I, I mean, it's still an, an ongoing, ongoing fight. Thing. I mean, people still use Roundup, and GMOs in, is practically in everything that we eat. Everything. Um, and your average person probably doesn't even understand that or know that. Well, I think more so now, because like non-GMO people are, you know, consumers are buying more non-GMO now. But, I mean, the damage has been done. I mean, they, they haven't had a direct link to it, but there's just a lot more that has to be researched on this. And I think especially corn and cotton. I mean, it's 90% um, GMOs. Other countries, a lot of countries have banned GMOs or only use it in limited quantities. I mean, here in the U.S., it's just all over the place. It's crazy. So do you find like, your passion is really about like health and wellness? Yeah, no, 100% health and wellness, yeah. So you're running a marathon, you said, this upcoming weekend. Yes. Are you nervous? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just, I'm interested to see how 
what I can do, how I, how I'll perform. You know what I mean? Cause like you train and like, you know, I've could have trained better with a fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could have done a lot, you yeah. know, like I didn't take the training as hardcore as a lot of people do. Cause there's like, if anybody knows a runner, they, I'm just not the runner type girl. Like I don't really have like the body for it sure. or like, I don't enjoy running long distances, but I, I, I'm doing it for myself. So it's more of like a personal thing to check off the list. Yeah, like I just want to see like... Do you think um, you're going to do another one after this or definitely not? I have to see. I have to run the, the marathon. They say first. the recovery on it's like days, right? Like two, yeah. three days. I have to, I have to, I have to see. So you're going to stay mean, in Chicago or you're going to fly right back? No, I'm going to, I'm going to take a day. Yeah, yeah. Regroup. Regroup. Get together. Yeah. It's just, I'm one of those people that I'm always just trying to push it. What's next? That's why I've bounced around. I've been at like six networks. That's right though. You yeah. Change no, it up. I mean, I'm very blessed and I'm very grateful for my career and like to keep switching up what I cover and how I cover it. I mean, it's been, it's been fun. So you said it when we were outside waiting to come in, you said that you believe people are born with it. I, I call it like the it factor. You know, you either have it or you don't have it. You said that you believe people are actually born with it, right? Yeah. Well, you asked me what, like, you know, where I get my drive right. and, you know, and I, I do, I think people are, are definitely born with it. I think it, they get it at a certain, certain times, you know, like it doesn't, it's not like, oh, I'm born with it. Like at six, I know I'm <laughs> going to be a reporter. I'm going to conquer the world and I'm going to do this. Like, I think it goes in and out. And this is just for me. Like there's some years where I'm super motivated, super passionate. And, you know, I feel like I'm just crushing it. And then there's, there's times where, you know, I, I settle back for a little bit, but then it comes up again. It bubbles up. So, like, it's an... It's Is that a, usually when you make your move, like, another network or something like that? You get yeah. Get like, yeah. If if I get bored, yeah. that's when... Time to um, go. Yeah. Then you're it, in a pretty long-standing relationship, aren't you? Yeah. How long? Four years. It's a long time. Yeah. That's crazy. Is that your longest relationship ever? Longest relationship ever. Wow. What are your, yeah. what are your secrets for four years of relationship? Well, I don't know if four years is that long, but for me it is yeah. just because... You know, I'm the type of person I do get bored easily right. and I'm very, um, I have high expectations, not only in myself and just like in, especially in relationships, like, you know, I, I definitely want to make sure I got the best. That's why, you know, I've waited until my thirties to like really settle down, Interesting. but he passed all the tests and he, <laughs> he's definitely one that brings me to the next level. That's awesome. You know, and like, it's hard to find someone who shares that kind of drive. What does he do? He's, he's a partner at Deloitte. Oh, that's cool. So yeah. he works, he knows about work ethic he, and all yeah, that. He's, yeah, he works hard, but he works hard, but he's, he doesn't let it like consume him. Mm -hmm. He's very humble. He's not in it for the money. I think he's in it. He likes the, the hustle of it. You know what I mean? And watching him rise the ranks has been inspiring to me because I'm the type of person who likes to bounce around. And, you know, if that network doesn't work, well, what's coming? Go. I, yeah. I'll go to Bloomberg. Yeah. Okay. Bloomberg doesn't work. I'll go to Fox News. And like, I've been very blessed, but there is something to sticking with something. And he showed me that because like he started at Deloitte and he most likely, whatever happens, he'll he'll finish at the Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's unheard of, especially in today's yeah. type of you know, world we live in. So he's taught me a lot about being consistent and patient. Uh, patient, exactly. And because I think, you know, we're both millennials. And I think 
we want things quick. Like, okay, this isn't working. Let me jump to the next one. Let me jump to the next one. And then you're going to be jumping all over the place and you're never going to find what you're looking for because you don't give anything a shot. And that's even when people talk about dating. Like, okay, this chick, you know. Yeah, whatever. Fits the mold. (laughs) You know, her face wasn't that cute. I don't know what you say or whatever. (laughs) And then let me just swipe and get someone new because it's that easy. And like now with the economy, you know, people are bouncing around pretty quickly and like you're able to because those traditional corporate jobs they're they're there because a lot of people are trying things in their own yeah but who wants um, to be an entrepreneur and do their own startup or do their yeah, own special with, thing with that like i mean as you know like sometimes the money's good sometimes the money's not um in the startup kind of world oh, it's, like, it's usually not good yeah, for, <laughs> mo- for most people that's what i'm most saying most of like, business people most of the the entrepreneurs i meet they you yeah. know yeah you know they'll tell me their valuation of Whatever. $20 million. Haven't made a penny yet. <laughs> yeah. <they're, laughs> Serious. But they're like, you know, broke as hell. Yeah, and that's the, the truth of it. But yeah, that's it. That's so as sense. far as like tech startups go, what's your opinion on the tech space in general? Do you think more people start to enter the tech space? Or do you think a lot of people are going to, as like these tech valuations that are, I call them phantom valuations, where like, how the hell did you come to, up to that valuation based on like, three years growth, like 70 million, like you do $3 million a year in sales. Like just cause you did a hundred dollars in your first year, you know, 2 million your second year, 3 million in your third year. How are you value at this big number? Do you think that eventually that whole house of cards collapses and people have to get pushed back into like the everyday W2 workforce? I mean, look what happened with WeWork and Endeavor. I that years ago. Yeah. I mean, Endeavor just pulled out of their IPO and WeWork, I mean, it's just been a debacle. The CEO obviously buried that, but yeah. Yeah. But Great concept. Just terrible, yeah, yeah. terrible leader. <laughs> no, I mean, tech is where it's at. I yeah. mean, I think... Tech is going to continue to um, drive. And I mean, there's more technologies than ever before. So to answer your question, I mean, yeah, I think the the valuations are out of control because people, venture capitalists are throwing money because they, this is like stupid money at like dumb ideas. And some of the, sometimes the ideas, they're not fully planned. And Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. They sit down with me in the meeting and they say, we've raised $60 million. (laughs) I go, you did? For like, and I, this is true for like a yeah. smoothie company. Yeah. I'm like, holy what? Sh- yeah, big number. Like, you could do it. I could do that. Yeah, you know? I know. And like, it's, I'm like, I want to do your story, but this isn't like, they haven't had it all figured out. And there's, it's nothing new. There's some kind of bubble that's going to like burst because the money, people are throwing too many money at these so-called like ideas that aren't fully planned. And it's, it's actually so much easier today to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these you cell know, phones, yeah. Well, even Martha Stewart told me that, speaking of that interview, she was like, when she started out, she was like, I had to go door to door with pies. Phone book and rotary phone. Yeah. And she had to go door to door with pies and she had to make money to put a little ad in the newspaper. She's like, now people just upload on Instagram. Instantly. Literally all my friends are Instagram influencers. Yeah. Yeah. Like they just. Yeah. They have all the cool kids. That's why. No, They they just post one good pic of like, you know, and they're like. This is Flying it. off the radar. Boom. And then they try to build their own thing. They, you see them with products. And it, it's cool. Like, go for it. Like, I love this. I love this kind of... It's like an entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah, I love it. But I think it's just like, it's kind of all over the place. I mean, don't you agree? Completely. I mean, I think, I think I'm like myself, like it took me nine plus years to become comfortable sharing my message with people, right? And I'm pretty active on social media, 
because I believe what I have to say was developed on like the door to door knocking grunt work experience, like reinventing the mortgage business. You know, again, I was 20, 21 years old. So I didn't have any bad habits in the mortgage business. I didn't know about bullshit loan products. Like I started like down in the gutter when the market was the gutter. Like, you know, like I was 20 years old, I had no money and my dreams were canceled. Right. So it took me nine years to really be confident that my voice, my influence, was valuable to people of all ages. People today have like a one hit wonder, right? They mm-hmm. did something for six seconds and now all of a sudden they think like what they have to say is valuable. I'm not saying that what they have to say is not valuable or their opinion is not valuable, but like I have a 12 or 13 year track record of killing myself, blood, sweat and tears in many different endeavors, lost a lot of money, made a lot of money multiple ways. Like what I'm telling you the way the real way. Whereas other people are like, yeah, I got lucky. I'm telling you my story on how I got lucky one time. And I'm like, well, you're a one hit wonder. Do it again. Like put more time and do it. Repeat, repeat the success. Don't just say, Hey, I got lucky. And you know, I left my nine to five job and I hit it for a million dollars. Great. Because as quickly as you hit that million dollars, you can never do that again in your life. You know, I think that like consistency and longevity, giving multiple opinions on multiple fronts of business is where the most value comes in. But like you yeah. said, people put one post up, it goes viral. Now all of a sudden they're an influencer or like yeah, no, they're every, knowledgeable. Yeah. I'm like, what? Oh, I mean, even like with nutrition or fitness online, I, I'm constantly, I've sat with many influencers. Yeah. And, I, you know, I asked them a simple question. Like, do you have a degree in nutrition? I'm not saying you need that. Like, I'm not about, I don't think you need all these degrees and or anything. Like, I think I'm not looking for that, but I just, I, I need a little bit something more. Like there has to be a story. Like, and I think that's the aspirational part is taking those little steps. You know what I mean? Like I always, I'm constantly putting pressure on myself that I should be farther along. Like why am I? Yeah. Constantly. Like I, I, I always like, even though people like, Oh, this or that, like in my own head, Mm -hmm. like I'm nowhere near where I should be. And like, I'm actually behind. So that's what keeps me. You're right where you need to be. Yeah, I know. But like, that's what keeps me. Going. Wanting more. Yeah. And wanting more because like then it pushes me to the next step. And I, I believe in my own career, I, I needed to take I need to take more risks. Sure. Like, you know, I've been to all the networks. Like I know so what's next. Yeah. So I that's that's my plan. Podcast, the yeah. Jeff and Jade podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that it? I told you you can't afford me. Yeah, we, we, it's a we thing. You know? <laughs> I know, but I just I want like yeah. throw me, I you. you you throw I you. checks. I'm with you. Yeah. I mean just no I'm kidding. I got you. So the power of social media, again, it's still evolving. It's still growing. What's crazy is I used to have to literally get my car, drive around all New York City, Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, Lower Westchester, parts of Long Island, Staten Island, Jersey along, you know, from Fort Lee all the way down to Hoboken, Jersey City, even out a little bit west towards like Union County. I meet all these people face to face and that's so valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Now I have all those face to face relationships. I have a decade of ground and pound so now social media allows me to build on it to extend the market. So like I could be in Arizona, you know, someone can see my post in Arizona, California, and I get more deals today off people I don't know off Instagram. I get more DMs from people wanting me to help them with their real estate financing that I don't know than from people that I've known. Now, obviously the business trickles in, you know, it's a different area, different market, but it's super powerful, right? Yeah, so it's powerful. so powerful, yeah. And the only thing that I've tested, because I'm not type of person, like, again, I'm very careful on who I follow or who I endorse, who I, like, 
put my fate in their hands for. But there's two trainers I follow online. Trainers, like athletic trainers. One was the guy that trained Alvin Kamara. His name is Dr. Reef. The other guy's trained Antonio Brown. This guy, Ebenezer Samuel. I'm trying to get on the podcast. He replies to my DMs, but then he ghosts me. So if you're listening, please come on the show. But I've been doing their workouts, only their workouts, literally for five months now, let's call it. And I've never been in better shape in my life. Conditioning-wise, I don't like running, so I don't really run. But I literally only follow their two workouts, and their workouts are insane, legit. Like, I don't care about them because I could show physically, like, what they're saying works, right? Like, they've had these guys... Antonio Brown and Alvin Kamara, two of the best in-shape athletes, get into this kind of shape and they're posting their workouts. Like, that's so valuable, you know? I didn't pay them anything. I literally go watch their page, watch their workouts, and I mirror all what they do. So in today's world, like, you could build your brand wherever you are and you never know, like, really who you're influencing in that case. I think that's so powerful. Yeah, I agree with you. You do actually look thinner. I'm I'm down 25 pounds. Holy smokes. So I broke my ankle. Like, right after I saw you last year, I broke my ankle. And there's meta, there's different levels to like what comes with that, like the mental part of it, the physical part of it, the spiritual part of it. But it like taught me that I was caring to many people mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, right? Not having the proper foundation. And I never had the right foundation in anything. Like I was always the guy, like if I go to the gym, I'm going to bench press because like it's cool to bench press, right? I didn't focus on like ankle mobility, you know, calf raises, all like the things that you really should be focusing on. And that was in every area of my life. I always just like went and like built the skyscraper, but forgot the most important part, which was the foundation. And I went lean in every part of my life. You know, and like I said earlier, like I still eat cheesecake. I still eat ice cream. I still eat cookies. I eat whatever I want, but my workouts are super intense now. And I was able to get rid of the fat, you know, mm-hmm. and like, again, personal business got to cut all the fat down to go super lean to be able to, you know, play the most efficiently, you know, like I'm probably faster than ever and i'm definitely in the best shape like i said i'm in better shape now than i am when i was playing college football and it's because my mind's in a better place so that taught me everything i mean i was 190 195 like still in good shape but not what i am now a different i'm more like nimble yeah no you look good so are you dating no i think i'm gonna take some time off away from that you know i'm up with my son's mother and that's oh you're with her or no i'm not no 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 no. um so that's complicated my son's my top priority yeah and you got to get back to the basics, you know, get back to the basics of like reinventing yourself. So mm-hmm. before I broke my ankle, you know, I left, you know, a half a million dollar year W-2 career, which I did for many years straight. I opened up four of my own businesses. Two of them failed. One, because I chose to let it go. Another one, I had a business partner basically bankrupt the business. That sucks while you're, you know, being laid up, watching that all go on. It teaches you really to like, focus on like what matters, you know. I don't believe you could really like be present with somebody that you want to like date or be with until yeah. you're fully able to be confident with who you are and mm-hmm. know what you want. You know, I could tell you, I could tell you that for a long time I knew what I didn't want and I attracted what I didn't want. So yeah. now going you through what in I that, went through, like the law of attraction kind of thing. Oh, completely, yeah, yeah. completely. And like also like what you put out to the universe, you know, karma is a bitch, right? And that's true, <laughs> you know. So like the more bad things you, even I shouldn't say bad things, like bad intentions you have or wrong intentions or just misplaced intentions mm-hmm. like you have to like go through all that full circle to come back in order to you know be able to move forward properly but you know i tell everyone like and it's kind of like messed up to say but it's all i knew your product of your environment and me personally like i never it's so fucked up to say i never looked at a female as a partner meaning 
we're dating, we're boyfriend, we're girlfriend, we're whatever, like we're exclusive, but I never had to rely on them for anything. I was like super self-efficient, right? Self-sufficient. Like I would do my own laundry. Like I cook for myself. Like I didn't look at a female as a partner. And then when I had a kid with somebody, I realized how like it really is a partnership and it changed my whole dynamic of what I actually look for in a person. Like basically like, you know, if I go down and break my ankle, are you going to be able to hold the fort down? And if the answer is no, then like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of important, right? Someone that motivates you, inspires you, you could have all the love in the world with the person. If you don't like have the same aspirations or goals and like want to get to the same level and keep like looking up at each other and like being able to accomplish somewhat of the same things, you know, it's probably not going to work out. Like if I want to work 24-7 and you want to go on vacation every month, those two things aren't aligned, you know. So I've learned so much from that and, you know, look, I, since I'm four years old, I knew I always wanted to like have a wife and have kids. So I knew that at four year, literally at four years old, I've always loved kids. I got my kid, you know, yeah. and he's definitely my purpose for sure. So I got my biggest blessing, but I had to go through the past 24 months of my life have been hell in order to go through all that. So okay. my blessing came out of yeah. the other side. You're full circle now. Complete, I like all it. the karma's gone. All everything got washed out, you know. So now, yeah. now it's like kind of smooth sailing. The path's you know wide open. All right. Well, cool. Well, you never know what can happen. Yeah, whenever it is what it is. Yeah. So as we wrap up the show, so deposit that means that you have to leave the listeners, the guests, with one thing to deposit to their memory bank. So deposit that means like deposit that one thing and be able to move on and implement it to make your daily life personal, professional better. What's one thing you want people to remember you for that you told them that they could improve themselves? Start. Just do it. Start it up. Yeah, just start it up. Just start today. It's just, you got it. You got to go. Like today, right now, start. So what advice do you give somebody to start? I mean, what it, it's little steps. Whatever, there. everybody has something that they're holding on to. This is one of my favorite songs. Can I get a song? You know a song? That's one of your favorite songs? We're supposed to start it up. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah, I couldn't hear because I was wearing the headphones. You know that? Yeah. <laughs> this is like your club days. Yeah, but that's it. And and listen, I need that my own advice because it's 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 with anything. It could be with a diet, or it could be because people are like, oh well, shit, I had that you know cupcake. Sure. Like or I'm gonna wait I, till the new year. No. Yeah, because like I already fucked up today, so yeah. I'm not gonna I'm gonna fuck up the next meal. It sure. could be, but just okay. You you might have fucked up in the morning, but like let's just start now. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think. Start now, whatever it is, like little steps. And you got to start every day with something. That's my advice. And like, I have to listen to it too, because we all have something we want. They always say practice what you preach. Yeah. We all have something that we want, but we don't start because we're just like, oh, it's not the timing's not right. Or I'm too fat or I can't start dating because like, I I want to be perfect. You know, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, like... You are who you are, and the person, right person's going to come. So start, start that diet, go on that date, look for that job, start that company, start that podcast, whatever. Who cares? And that's why I did this. Like I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to do this. Like I told you, like <laughs> maybe but, you're gonna get fired and have your own I, show. You know, you 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 contacted me so much that I was like, sure. let's just do it. Like right. what? I mean, if we got to shoot I'm it a couple times, you know, yeah, yeah. But it's just who cares? Yeah. Like just start, start doing something, and like. You know, whatever, if it's not you, like, I'm no marathon runner, but I'm going to, on Sunday, my ass is I bring you a text after you finish. Like, yeah, I'm running time. it. And, like, yeah. I'm not going to stop because I want to do it. And then, you know, you never know what that can lead to. Because, awesome. like, you're going to accomplish that. So just 
start something, start whatever it is right now at this moment. Cause listen, you get one life. I mean, why wouldn't you? Who cares? Nothing to lose. Nothing. I super appreciate you coming out, taking the time. And it was great to finally get you in person again. Yeah, So we'll we'll have you back on as a follow-up next time you're ready. You come up with your own story. You can leak it here first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. 